science, law, engineering. These are noble pursuits and necessary to sustain life. But poetry, dance, art, love, these are what we stay alive for. Today on the People Scientist podcast, I combine science and art by talking about the benefits of dance for our brain and mental health. Tune in for all the details only here on the People Scientist podcast. to the People Scientist, the podcast dedicated to helping us optimize our health with the latest scientific findings on neuroscience, physiology, and nutrition. I, your host, Dr. Stephanie Caligiuri, a nutritionist, physiologist, and neuroscientist, will be here with you every single week, bringing us information to ignite our thinking, to help us be one step closer to the healthiest we can be. People Scientist Army, and welcome back for episode 53 on the People Scientist Podcast, where every week I arm us with some scientific evidence so we can all lead the healthy lives we want to live. So this week has been one heck of a week, hasn't it? For all of us around the world. How are all of you doing? Thank you to all of you that have reached out to me to check in and to share some kind words. These small things of keeping in touch at this time really do make a big difference, and to know that we are not alone at this time. Some people have been asking how I've been doing in New York or in the lab, because New York is currently the city with the greatest number of COVID cases. And starting today, New York will be in lockdown, and a lot of people have asked, well, what does lockdown mean? Well, luckily, we are still allowed to go outside, you know, to buy medicine, groceries, to go to work if we are considered essential staff, and we're allowed to go outside even for a leisure walk or run, which is great. But at the hospital, many of us are considered essential staff because we have important things that need to be maintained or to help out with. And a lot of us are also on the backup list to help with running the diagnostic tests for the virus. So there is some preparation involved for that. I don't want to talk too much about the virus today because I feel like a lot of people are overwhelmed with too much information on the virus. But one thing I wanted to answer because I have been asked a few times is why does it take so long for the diagnostic test? It takes several days. And the reason being is because of the type of method used to detect the virus. The method is a very commonly used method that a lot of us use every day in research. It's an RNA-based method. So the first step is that the scientist or the technician has to isolate the RNA from a patient's swab or sample, and just isolating the RNA itself can take a few hours. Then that RNA needs to go through a reaction called PCR, or polymerase chain reaction, to amplify the sample. This, again, takes several hours. Then we use another method, the third step, called TACMIN, to detect and quantify the specific RNA sequence of the virus to see if it is there in the patient's sample. And again, this last step takes several hours. So it usually takes two to three days to run these series of steps. But because this is a common technique that is used in many research labs, scientists have been called as backups to help with running the diagnostic tests if necessary. 
And right now in my lab, we are rotating in and out as essential staff. So starting Sunday with the lockdown in New York, a few of us will go in one to two times a week to keep the necessary things going. And if we by chance are called up to help with diagnosing, then our schedules will change as a result. So that's a little bit of how my week has been, but I'd love to hear how all of you are doing. So make sure to, or feel free to reach out to me on any of my social media to let me know how you're doing. I hear that many of you are working from home or will work from home soon or as much as you can. And even though this week has been more busy than usual, I wanted to make sure to come on here to give a podcast episode. Because I know many of us are feeling as though our schedules and routines are being flipped upside down. And there is some solace in some things remaining the same and routine. And I know several hundred of you listen on Sunday mornings when I release the episode on Sundays, and even more listen later on throughout the week. So I wanted to give you some positive stimulus today and to try our best to keep our routine as much as we can by giving you this episode every Sunday morning as I usually do. But I would love to hear from all of you to hear how you are doing But as we always do, let's jump into the podcast episode. I think last week's episode on video games, cognition and mental health was really fun. And I got a lot of positive feedback on the episode and also some suggestions on great games to stimulate our brains. Some games were given to me in order to provide new languages, to challenge our critical thinking, or to enhance our vocabulary. I put out an invite to play an online Scrabble game and I got so many responses and about... 15 new friends to play Scrabble with, and I absolutely love that. So thank you to all of you that accepted my invitation to play the online Scrabble game. It's a really nice thing to look forward to challenge me in my free time because I am not very good at Scrabble. So thank you for challenging me in that regard. If anyone else wants to hop in a game with me, the game is called Words with Friends. It's a free game, and I play it on my phone. And my username is TPS Army for the People Scientist Army, if you want to play with me. So for today's episode, I wanted to keep in line with some positive stimulus for all of us. And on a positive topic for things that we can do while we are at home that during the quarantine, and these ideas are rooted in neuroscience in regard to improving our cognition and mental health. So for today's episode, I am talking all about something that I am very passionate about that brings me so much joy, and that is dance. So I'm going to be speaking about how dance affects our brain and what it means for our mental health. This week, make sure to follow me on my social media because I will be posting some goofy and fun dance videos throughout the whole week as some positive content for us all. And when I started to read the literature and the clinical trials on dance and mental health and mood and neuroscience, I was surprised to see how profound of an effect dance can really have on us. And for this reason, I feel like right now it's underrated in its ability to have such a positive feedback on us. So, as we always do, let's start off with some core takeaways. Dance is a unique exercise that promotes and challenges many aspects to our mental well-being. Dance can benefit us in regard to social interaction, enhancement of our brain reward circuit involved in our mental health and motivation, Dance can enhance our emotions, it can challenge our memory and overall cognition, and obviously can have great benefit for physical activity. 
Many clinical trials have been conducted in younger and older individuals, and regular dance activity shows great benefit for improving mood, flexibility or plasticity of our brain circuits, which is a really great thing, can improve our memory capacity, and promoting physical activity even more so than regular repetitive exercise, which a lot of the times was the control group in these clinical trials. So if you are looking for something new to add to your routine while at home or later on, perhaps you can consider dance. Now, let's get into some details. So I love the topic of dance because for me, that is one thing in my life that brings me so much happiness. I began dancing as a young girl. I think I started dance maybe when I was about five or six years old. And I danced until I was about 12 years old. And then I quit dance and I started karate to learn self-defense. And I was in karate for about a good five or six years. And as I grew up, the one thing that I regretted quitting was dancing because it brought me so much joy. So I started to get really serious into dance again. And I'm so glad that I did because it's brought so many benefits to my life. And so I wanted to share something on this topic because maybe it'll also provide some positive things in your life too. Because dance challenges me both mentally and physically. I was never gifted in regard to musicality. And dance challenges my brain more than it challenges my body, which I never thought would be the case. But having to learn and memorize one full minute of choreography in just a 45-minute class was extremely challenging for me a few years ago. And also being able to mirror someone doing complex moves, to watch what they were doing, then for my body to be able to mimic it was also very challenging and still is today. Because that involves different regions of our brain, such as the visual cortex, the prefrontal cortex, our striatum, the cerebellum, and even more. For this reason, dance has been promoted as a physical activity for older adults in particular, in order to challenge their memory, their thinking, and to promote and and enhance their cognition, which could hopefully reduce their risk of dementia as they become older. However, I feel the challenge of dance is appropriate for everyone at any age, especially if you have never danced or followed choreography before, I think dance would be a great challenge for you. And luckily, a lot of dance studios and choreographers during this time of the quarantine have started online live dance streaming classes. So throughout the week, I will share some of these live video streams with all of you in case you want to give them a try. So let's jump into some of the clinical trials. In 2018, in the journal PLOS One, there was a really interesting study that showed dance training in older adults was better than repetitive exercise in regard to their brain health and specifically their brain flexibility or brain plasticity. Now, brain plasticity means your brain's ability to adapt, to be flexible. And brain plasticity can be seen as a good thing the grand majority of the time. Dancing is a unique combination of both physical and cognitive demands, For example, learning choreography requires memory, the ability to mirror someone's actions, to follow the music and have your body move in time with the music. It is demanding in many regards. As a result, some scientists designed a clinical trial to compare regular repetitive exercise to a dance program in older adults aged 63 to 80 years old and assessed their physical fitness, their memory, cognition, and their brain functioning by an fMRI scan. Now, this program was six months in length, and the dance choreography continued to get harder as time progressed on during the six months. 
The dance classes were 90 minutes twice a week. So it wasn't too much. It was just two dance classes a week. And the dance styles were various. They included line dancing, jazz dancing, rock and roll, Latin dancing, and square dancing. So a very nice variety. Both the control exercise group and the dance groups after the six-month intervention increased their physical fitness to the same extent. So this particular clinical trial, regular repetitive exercise, was just as good as the dance class. And they measured the physical fitness in this particular study with the physical work capacity test with their heart rate being at 130 beats per minute. So how much they could physically do with their heart rate staying the same at 130. When we compared the dance group to the repetitive exercise control group, there were pronounced differences in the effects on brain volumes, which is really interesting. So those in the dancing group had larger volume increases in more brain areas, including the cingulate cortex, the insula, the corpus callosum, and the sensor motor cortex, which is really quite remarkable, as larger brain volumes are thought to indicate greater capacity of the brain or greater use of those functions of those brain regions, which is seen as a very good thing. In addition, the dancing group was associated with an increase in plasma BDNF levels. Now, this is important because BDNF is seen as a marker of our brain's plasticity or flexibility. So dance training enhanced this, which again is really quite remarkable. Now, regarding cognition, both groups improved in attention and spatial memory, but no significant groups, group differences emerged, so they both improved. The cognitive benefits, therefore, the scientists predict, may develop later and after the structural brain changes have taken place. So the authors conclude in older adults, a dance exercise program may have additional benefits over a repetitive exercise program, as dance choreography challenges many aspects of learning and thinking. That it's not just the same repetitive movements over and over, but it's constantly changing and constantly having to memorize new complex movements. Another clinical trial showed similar benefits, but in a much shorter time frame than six months. In the journal Neuroplasticity in 2018, the scientists recruited a group of younger and older adults that had never taken a dance class before. And the scientists wanted to understand if learning a dance choreography over four days would change the response of their brain and their performance on motor and visual tasks. So they recruited 20 young and 19 older adults. The scientists asked all the participants to do some motor, visual tasks, and all did a functional MRI scan of their brain. And I've talked about fMRI scans in previous episodes and in the last clinical trial, but briefly, again, an fMRI scan will measure the blood flow to different brain regions, which can give us information such as how strongly certain brain regions are recruited during a task or while seeing something or while listening to something. After four days of some dance training, Both the younger and older adults nearly doubled their scores in regard to their physical performance and dance skills. Specifically, they saw improvements in their ability to carry out the dance moves accurately and to do so in the right timing and making it more smooth and fluid. At the brain level or neurobiology level, both age groups demonstrated overall decreases in blood flow to brain regions that are involved in sensation and movement, which is interesting. This suggests that this type of dance training in the short term may lead to these brain regions not needing to be as heavily recruited as prior to the four days of training. So this clinical trial illustrates that four days of dance training can indeed enhance physical performance and can result in some adaptations to brain region recruitment just in a short time span. 
Liu in 2018 concluded that ballroom dancers have differences in their brain connectivity versus beginner dancers. Ballroom dancers showed elevated activity in sensory motor regions and functional alterations in frontal temporal and frontal parietal connectivity, which could reflect the dancer's specific training experience related to their ballroom dancing, including how they perceive actions, their attentional control, and their fine movement adjustment. So from this clinical trial, when they scan the brains of professional ballroom dancers versus beginner dancers, they determine that yes, there are differences in their brain functioning, and long-term dancing can enhance the activity of certain brain regions involved in movement, sensation, and attention control, which is really quite fascinating. Because the enhanced activation of those brain regions involved in movement, sensation, and attention control may have implications for other things involved in their everyday life that involve the same things of movement and sensation. Bernardi in 2017 talked about how dance very uniquely has the ability to impact our emotions and mood. Dancing emphasizes the physical expression of emotional experiences. For example, when we perform emotion-specific postures or faces, this can impact our mood. For example, if we stand tall and walk with our shoulders back, feeling like we have confidence, then we will naturally feel more confident. If we slouch and frown, we will feel more blue and melancholy. My brother often says that our physiology dictates our psychology. Essentially, our body can dictate our mood. So following this same phenomenon, dance and mimicking our emotions may help us perform a foundation for emotional coping. So Bernardi and their group decided to test this theory. They investigated the emotional responses to music in 40 individuals without any prior dance training, while they either freely danced or refrained from movement while listening to music. The scientists noted that the emotional valence or strength of the person's emotions was increased significantly during spontaneous dance, specifically to upbeat or groovy music, compared to if they were just standing still or listening to the music. And interestingly, more complex dance movements were associated with more positive emotions. Essentially, this study illustrated the effectiveness of dance to enhance mood and to bring out emotions, particularly to bring out positive emotions. So dance can really enhance the emotions of music and can enhance the emotions that someone is feeling. Because dance can have effects on emotions, it begs the question, can it have an effect on mood and mental health? Well, just last year in the journal Frontiers in Psychology, meta-analysis, which pooled together over 20 clinical trials involving nearly 2,400 people, aim to understand if dance could change quality of life, measures of depression, anxiety, interpersonal skills, cognition, and motor skills, or the ability for someone to move their body in a specific way. Now, there were a lot of benefits seen with dance interventions across these different clinical trials. The greatest benefit with a dance class intervention was interpersonal skills, with an effect size of 0.85, which is quite high. The next to improve the most was quality of life. Measures of depression and anxiety also tended to improve with dance intervention with a medium overall effect with an effect size of 0.5. Now, there were two types of dance interventions in this meta-analysis. There's one called dance movement therapy, which involves a psychological component, and it aims to use dance to heal and enhance emotion. So it has more of a therapeutic basis. 
The other intervention was just a classical dance intervention, which is like a typical dance class involving learning choreography, which could involve partner dancing, group dancing, or just dancing on their own. Now, interestingly, it appears that the classical dance intervention that was just based in a regular class of choreography was far more effective at enhancing quality of life and interpersonal skills than the dance movement therapy that's more rooted in psychology. So that's pretty amazing that looking after or looking at more than 20 clinical trials, they see quite a big enhancement for quality of life and reduced measures of depression and anxiety. And I would say that just based on my personal experience, I would agree that joining a dance studio and taking classes really enhanced many components to my life. I made a lot of new friends. It brought new challenges to my life, new achievements when I became a better dancer over time. And dancing itself to music that I love is also just a rewarding and enjoyable experience. So for me personally, it makes sense that when they combined all these clinical trials together, that they really did see such a big benefit for life satisfaction. But out of interest sake of this meta-analysis, let's go into the details of one of the clinical trials included in the meta-analysis. So for example, in 2015, 57 older women were recruited into a creative dance class or a traditional exercise class for 24 weeks. The program consisted of 50-minute sessions three times a week. Different dance styles and different styles of music were used. The dance group had improvements in their strength, aerobic capacity, their flexibility, their life satisfaction, and also improved their body weight and body size because they saw an average reduction in their waist size by 9 centimeters, which is 3.5 inches, and they also saw an improvement in their average BMI. Interestingly, the traditional exercise group saw great improvements in agility and balance versus the dance group, and I would have thought the opposite. I would have thought that the dance group would have seen greater improvements in agility and balance versus traditional exercise, but that was not the case here. So very interestingly, in this clinical trial, the scientists concluded that a dance intervention, just a dance class, can improve life satisfaction, physical performance, and overall well-being more so than just a regular repetitive exercise class. Now, music is obviously an important aspect to dance. Dancing essentially brings to life the beats and rhythm of the music, therefore enhancing the valence of the music. In the journal Nature Neuroscience in 2011, the scientists recognized the importance of our brain reward pathway in listening to music. They investigated the neurotransmitter dopamine, which is a feel-good neurotransmitter in the brain, using functional MRI while people listened to music. The scientists found that dopamine release in, in the important brain reward and pleasure brain region, the striatum, was enhanced when people listened to their favorite music. The caudate of the brain was more involved during the anticipation of the music, another brain region involved in reward, and interestingly, another region of the brain reward pathway, the nucleus accumbens, was more involved during the experience of the peak emotional response to the music, or the best part of the music. So the results indicated that there was intense pleasure in response to music, which can lead to dopamine release in different parts of the brain reward pathway, in both the anticipation of the music as well as while listening to the peak part of the music. And this can explain why music is so important to us, because of its ability to activate the pleasure and reward centers of our brain. So music and dance is an even stronger combination because it brings to life or increases the emotional valence of music.
The neuroscience or neurobiology of dance also involves the cerebellum to the ventral tegmental area to the prefrontal cortex connection. For example, Carta in 2019 investigated this in depth and how the cerebellum regulates our movement as well as social interaction, two things that are involved in dance. And this brain region, the cerebellum, is connected to another important brain region involved in us feeling reward and pleasure and enhanced move, and that is the ventral tegmental area. So the two are very connected, our movement, social interaction, and reward and pleasure. This is a potential explanation between the neurobiology of dance and it being mood enhancing. So that is a wrap, my people scientist army. Thank you for letting me speak about something that I'm very passionate about in my life. Dance is what brings me challenge in both mental and physical capacities. It is an emotional outlet, a chance for socializing, and overall a very rewarding experience. In today's episode, I spoke to how dance interventions in many respects may be superior to traditional exercise program in regard to life satisfaction, interpersonal skills, memory, cognition, mood, and mental well-being. The neuroscience of dance involves our movement brain regions and reward pleasure brain regions because of our bodies mimicking emotion as well as the involvement of music with dance. I think the ability of dance to be a therapy is largely underrated and should be more of a mainstay and go-to in regard to enhancing life satisfaction, memory, and especially cognition in older adults and really for everyone. There's a style of dance for everyone, which is wonderful because dance is very adaptable. One idea that we could all do that I've been doing for the last couple of weeks with my friends and family is that we find a piece of choreography that we really love, like on YouTube or Instagram or whatever, to a really catchy song that we love. And then we challenge each other and say, okay, we're going to take a week to try and learn this choreography at home. And then in a week, we're going to FaceTime or Skype each other and show each other how much we've learned of the choreography and make it like a fun challenge for you and your friends. That's something that I've been doing and maybe something that you'll want to try as well. So that is it, my People Scientist Army. Make sure to check into my social media accounts where I will be posting different kinds of dance videos and links to resources for us to learn some dance choreography while we are at home during this quarantine if you are interested. I wish you all a safe and healthy week. And I will meet you back here the same time and same place next week on the People Scientist Podcast. Bye for now. I am a scientist simply sharing scientific evidence. Some of the clinical interventions I discuss are not appropriate for everyone. Before making any changes to your diet or lifestyle, please do consult the advice of your physician or dietitian. My opinions expressed here do not necessarily reflect those of Mount Sinai Hospital and its affiliates. Thank you.